Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, we've been actually progressing through the Gospel of Luke. And the reason why is we want to look at the life of Jesus and find out as much as we can about him and learn as much as we can because the reality is is if you think about when we go to church, we hear a lot of messages on what to do about this, what not to do here, what not to do over there. and and But we don't really hear a lot of messages on who Jesus is and what he taught because the assumption is, is you already know that. But the reality is, is we don't know a lot of things that Jesus said. In fact, as we look today, I, I'm almost, in fact, I was just thinking, as, as Brad and Jim were, were singing, my mind went to Luke chapter 2, where Simeon blesses the baby Jesus. And this is what he said, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many. The very nature of Jesus Christ is is he's going to cause you to stumble. He's going to knock you down. He's going to raise you up, but he's going to knock you down. And as I'm looking at what he's saying here, I'm going to be honest with you. Jesus and the reality of who he is and what he taught, and and as you look at the confrontations with the kind of people that he had, he just really rocks your world. He turns your world upside down because... It's like a whole different concept of what he's talking about here. And especially today, when we look at what he's looking at, we're looking at Luke chapter 11, we're going to look at the last few verses there, verse 45 through verse 54. Remember now, Jesus, as we've looked at this passage before, he's at a meal at a Pharisee's house. So it's not just a mutual, just one person. There's other people there. And remember, he pronounced some judgments against the Pharisees. What we're going to see today is is that there's a lawyer there as well, and he gets offended by what Jesus is saying. So Jesus obliges him and tells him some condemnations as well. So look with me, and I'll explain to you what's going on here. Look at what he says, verse 45. Then one of the lawyers answered and said to him, Teacher, by saying these things... You reproach us also. And he said, Woe to you also, lawyers, for you load men with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets, and your fathers killed them. In fact, you bear witness that you approve the deeds of your father. They indeed killed them, and you built their tombs. Therefore, the Wisdom of God also said, I will send them prophets and apostles. Some of them they will kill and persecute. That the blood of all the prophets which were shed from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah who perished between the altar and the temple. Yes, I say to you, it shall be required of this generation. Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge and you did not enter in yourselves, and those who were entering in you hindered. As he said these things to them, the scribes and the Pharisees began to assail him vehemently and cross-examine him with many things, lying in wait 
for him and seeking to catch him in something, he might say that they might accuse him. Here's what's going on here. What I'm looking at here as I'm looking at this passage and how Jesus is undoing me and rocking my world is, is the reality is that as I look at these lawyers, there's a great cover-up going on. Remember, remember the key word to this passage I told you was that Jesus is referring to these folks as what? Hypocrites. The word hypocrite there comes from, in the Greek language, comes from the, from, from the arts, actually, from drama. If you remember, for those of you back in high school when you studied drama, that back in the Greek times, the ancient Greek culture, when they had drama, they would act and they would wear a what? Mask. In fact, most of the actors back then were male. They were not female actors. They were male actors. And so they wore a mask. And so that's what it means. A hypocrite is one who wears a mask. And this is what's going on here. These folks are hypocrites, and there's this great cover-up going on in their lives where they're covering up who they really are and the depravity of their own soul by all of their spiritual exercises. But there's a problem here. That's really where the Pharisees are at, where the lawyers are at, is that they go one step further, not just covering up their own junk, they're imposing a burden, a ritual upon others to carry forth. And so Jesus singles them out for even more of a condemnation. So I want you to notice with me, first of all, we're going to see Jesus' response. We saw this last week. It's the same response that he has with these guys. And then we're going to look at three components of this great cover-up. First of all, notice Jesus' response. He pronounces a condemnation. He says to them, woe. Now again, woe is a word that we don't use in our everyday language today in Kerwinsville and Clearfield in our area here. It's like, whoa. We don't say, oh, whoa, it's me. i got to eat a salad instead of a cheeseburger. No, we don't, we don't use that. That's not part of our language anymore. The, 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 the issue is, is that a woe was a condemnation. Now, now, you could use woe in different ways. You could say, whoa, you're going to get it. That's not how Jesus is using it here. Actually, the way he uses the word woe is, is actually an emotional thing. In fact, that's my next point here. He grieves over their attitudes and actions. When he's pronouncing a woe, it's not like he's relishing in the fact that he's saying, you're going to get it. He's telling them with a heavy heart because they're deceived. They can't see it. They're not going to see it. They think they're so right that everybody else is wrong, and especially Jesus is wrong, and he's grieved that they cannot see it. How many of you, you know what I'm talking about? You, you try to maybe talk to a family member and you try to get them to see a point, and, and they just can't see it. And in your heart, you're going, man, I wish they could see it, but they don't. And it just breaks your heart. I think that's what's going on here with Jesus. Jesus is, 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 is grieving. His heart is broken over them. But I want you to notice what his pronouncements are. Because when we look at his pronouncements, we're going to see that he's really reflecting on three areas here. Number one, he's going to reflect on their legalism. Number two, he's going to reflect on their hatred. And then number three, he's going to reflect on their blindness. So notice with me, first of all, the issue of their legalism. We see it in verse 46. Notice what he says to these lawyers. But woe to you also, lawyers, for you load men with burdens hard to bear, and you yourselves do not touch the burdens with one of your fingers. 
Let me help you to understand what a lawyer is. It's not like the lawyer we have now, although it, it can, you can say there are some similarities in it. But a lawyer in their day was an expert of the first five books of what we call the Old Testament. They called it the Pentateuch. The first five books, which was called the Law. So really what they were were Bible scholars. They were theologians. They were experts on what a person could do and couldn't do with regards to what the law of God said. So if you wanted to know whether or not you could do a certain thing or not, or whether or not this activity was right or wrong with regards to the Bible, you would go and see a lawyer in town. Now, he's not going to stand before some court there and pronounce judgment on you. Basically, he's an expert in what the law says. But they weren't just experts in what the law said. They were also experts in what the tradition of the elders were. You have to understand, in their culture, they went one step further and looked at what the tradition of the elders were. That is, what the interpretations were of the law. And so they knew. So when it says you shouldn't work on the Sabbath, the elders came along and told you what specifically you could not do on the Sabbath, and that was called the interpretation. And so they knew all of that. So these are experts in what you could and could not do. So here's what he's saying to them. Jesus is pronouncing a woe on them because here, here's the thing. They imposed their interpretation on others. They imposed their interpretation on others. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Here's what they would do. The, the law said not to work on the Sabbath. What they would do then is they would come along and, and through their studies of looking at what the elders had said and what others had said, they would then pronounce an interpretation and say that by, you cannot do certain activities on, on the Sabbath because that would be considered Work. So, for instance, this is where Jesus kept getting in trouble. They considered healings to be work. So when Jesus healed on the Sabbath, remember when you're reading through the Gospels, they're getting all, all bent out of shape and all worked up and saying that healing shouldn't take place on the Sabbath. And Jesus is like, what's better, to heal or, or to do this or that? The reason why is that they had interpreted healing as a work. And so what they're doing is, is that they impose their interpretations upon other people. And it was very burdensome. So let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. We can give an example from church today in our culture. The Bible clearly says that we should not love the world nor be of the world. How many of you know have heard that before? You should, and that you should avoid worldliness. The very implication of the Bible tells you that. Now, here's what a lawyer would do. And... And let's be honest, here's what a pastor would do. He would come along and then give you an interpretation of what worldliness is. Worldliness is, you can't go to certain restaurants. Worldliness is, you can't go to the movie house. Worldliness is, you can't watch certain TV shows. Worldliness is, you can't do this. You can't do that. How many know what I'm talking about? And here's what he's saying. They impose their interpretation on others. In fact, here's how Jesus describes it. Look with me, verse 46. I think it's almost interesting how he describes it, because this is the reality of it. He says this. You load men with 
burdens hard to bear. What is he talking about here? They have created a list of so many do's and don'ts of what you can do, what you can't do, what you shouldn't do, what you should do. And the list is so big and it's almost tiresome to try to figure out whether or not you can do something or not. And they so regiment every aspect of your life. And it all has to do with whether or not you're going to be accepted by God. Because if I do this, I'm not going to be accepted by God. God's not going to bless me. And they impose this burden on others. And you know what, folks? We've had that burden imposed upon us many times, haven't we? Don't do this, don't do that, don't go here, do do this, do that, don't do that. And they impose their interpretations. Now, here's the problems. Here's the problems. Now, it wasn't just enough that they would impose a burden upon everyone else. Here's the issue. They lived within the loopholes. It's interesting, as I was studying for this passage, I came across one commentator that gave an example of the kind of burden they placed upon other people. So, for instance, the law, the interpretation of the elders was is that you couldn't carry something on the Sabbath because that would be work. So I couldn't carry a bag on the Sabbath because of it being work. However, the elders did say that if I carried the bag on my elbow or on the top of my hand or on my shoulder or with my teeth, it would not be work. So there you are, you're a lawyer and you see some guy walking and he's carrying a bag, they would pronounce, you're doing wrong, you're doing wrong before God, you're working on the Sabbath. It is not right for you to carry a bag like that on the Sabbath. They would say, stop. Now here's what they would do. They would then carry the bag on their shoulder themselves. Or they would carry it with their teeth. Why? They wouldn't communicate to you guys what the loophole was. But they live within the loophole themselves. Do you see the hypocrisy of that? See, here's the thing. They're good at telling you what to do, but they don't help you to do what you need to do. This is the issue of legalism. They're good at telling you what you need to do, but they don't do it themselves, and they don't help you to do it. See, this is why he's got a condemnation. That's why when he says to you, you don't even lift a finger yourself, he's talking about their actions towards the people that they're burdening. They don't even lift a finger to help anyone else with the burden that they place on other people. And if you think about it, I was in a legalistic church at one time. I was pretty legalistic. I told you I'm a recovering legalist. The reality is is that we impose our interpretations. Oh, you can't do this, can't do that, but we don't help you to do it. And let's think about it. Think about it over the years. Think about it over the years. Over the years, we've seen people come. They've been excited about knowing Jesus. But then after a while, they'll quit coming. And this is what they'll usually say. Try that. Can't do it. I've tried it. I can't do it. What have they tried? Living according to all the rules that we've set up. Let's be honest. None of us can live according to all the rules that we've set up. They were at least honest enough to say they couldn't do it. But that's sad, isn't it? That's sad. They impose their interpretation upon others. They live within the loopholes. Here's Notice their hatred. Notice with me verse 47. You're probably wondering, what is Jesus talking about here when he's talking about them building the tombs of the prophets? What's the condemnation? Notice with me. But woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets, and your fathers killed them. 
In fact, you bear witness that you approve the deeds of your fathers, for they indeed killed them, and you build their tombs. What's going on here? First of all, here's their hatred. They gave lip service to God's servants. They gave lip service to God's servants. Part of the great cover-up is, is that they're, they're trying to, to look good on the outside, but on the inside they're a mess. When God truly sends a servant among them, and he's preaching the actual word of what they should or should not be doing, how their hearts should be turned to God, what they ended up doing, and this is throughout the Old Testament, is that they end up killing the prophets. They killed them. They didn't want to hear the message. And so what happened in Jesus' day was is that here they are, the lawyers and the Pharisees. Now what they did in that day was very common, and history shows it, that in that day there was this kind of a movement that they would go around to every kind of important person's grave and build a monument there talking about how great they were. Jesus said, you know, it was your dad's, your father's, your forefathers that killed the very people that you're honoring now. Because they didn't want to hear the message of God. In fact, nothing's changed, Jesus is saying to them. You still have the same hatred. Now, how, how do we know that? Because they would, what, kill Jesus? In fact, as you go down a few verses there, because of what Jesus is saying, they get very angry, and so they want to find something to use against him. This is their hatred. They only give lip service to serving God, but in reality... They don't want to have anything to do with the message of God. In fact, here's what they do. They reject the messenger and the message. This is what Jesus is saying here. Notice what he's saying there. Look with me. Verse 47. No, verse 49. Therefore the wisdom of God also said, I will send them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will kill and persecute, that the blood of all the prophets which was shed from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah who perished between the altar and the temple. Yes, I say to you, it shall be required of this generation. Here's what they did. They killed the messenger and the message. That was their hatred. When you're caught up in, in hypocrisy, when you're living one way and trying to portray yourself as being this spiritual dude or dudette, and, but on the inside you're a mess... The reality is, is you're not going to like the message of God, the true message of God, because the true message of God is light. And what does light do? He's already told us previously, light exposes what in our lives, folks? Darkness. And I don't know about you, I don't like the junk in my life being exposed. So what did they do? They got rid of the messenger of the message. See, that's their hatred. But there's other one other component here, and let's look at it here. It's their blindness. Look with me in verse 52. Woe to you, lawyers, for you take away the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourselves, and those who were entering in, you hindered. Here's what's going on here. They made it difficult for others to understand. Here's what Jesus is saying. The whole issue of key, the key that he's talking about here, that they have the key of knowledge is, is because they were... Bible scholars, because they were experts in what the law said, they should have been helping people to understand what the Word of God meant. See, that's the role of a pastor. Do you understand? My primary role in the Bible is to help you to understand what that Bible in your lap is saying and how you can apply it to your lives. That's what it means to have the key of understanding to share with others. That's what their role was. They, they should have been there helping Israel, helping the people of God to know what it is 
that the Word of God is saying so that they can apply it to their lives. But here's what they did. They made it, they made it confusing. They jumbled it up. They put a twist on it here and a twist on it there. And they made it so that, the, that really the people couldn't understand it by themselves. They needed, quote, experts to tell them what it meant. So they were hindering people. They twist it in such a way that the average person says, what's the use? He's seeing things I don't see. They had the key of understanding. What did Jesus say there? Look with me. They have the key of understanding. They, they do not enter in and they what? And those who entering in you hinder. They're hindering people from finding God. They made it difficult. Here's what they did. They became gatekeepers. Does everybody know what a gatekeeper is? A gatekeeper is, is someone who watches the door and only allows a certain type of person in. They watch the door. This happens a lot in our churches where you only allow a certain type of person in. So if, if the person's not from the right social economic class, then, you know, you, you'd say, oh, you, you know, you maybe want to try somewhere else. And what these do, the, these guys were, they were gatekeepers over, quote, the word of God. And so they kind of kept control over who could know and who didn't know. And those who knew were a few people, and everybody else didn't know. And that's where they're at. Because here's what happens, is they were building their own egos up, because what happens is if only a few people know, and everybody else doesn't know, who's going to be asking you all the time about what you know? A lot of people. Hey, what does this mean? How does it, how do you, I mean, and they come to you looking for the answers. They were spiritually blind, because Jesus is saying, you think you have the key of understanding. Look with me in verse 52 again. But what? You did not enter in yourselves. Is that here they are. They think they know, but they don't even know themselves. And they're keeping others who want to know from that way. That's the, the blindness of hypocrisy. The blindness of our legalism. They became gatekeepers. And you say, George, how do, how do we apply this? I mean, this is some serious condemnation. How do we apply this? Well, let's, let's, let's ask ourselves two questions and let me make you a point. Because you might be sitting here and you might be saying, wow, that's really good, man, because I, I already know who this is talking about. And in your mind, you've got some preacher in your mind or, or some deacon or, or some elder in a church and, and you remember how they told you not to go there and they told you not to do this and they told you don't come back unless you're dressed this way. We did that kind of stuff. And you, and you know. Well, yeah, probably they're an example of what we're talking about. But I want to go a little bit further, a little bit deeper than that, and say to you, it's possible that you're an example too. <gasps> really? Well, yeah, let's ask ourselves some questions. Number one, where's your focus? Where's your focus? Do you know somebody who knows Jesus or, or wants to know Jesus? And, and maybe they're, they're not just like you, and maybe, maybe they don't have their act together, maybe they're struggling with some issues, and have you ever said something like this to them? Well, you know, once you clean up a little bit, then you can come with me. Once you get that thing worked out, then come see me, and we'll get you in church, because then, then you'll be right for what needs to happen. Have you done that? If you have, you're just like them. Because while there is a desire to find God, you're actually what? You become a gatekeeper. You're actually hindering folks from coming. 
Where's your focus? Is your focus on how you appear on the outside? I mean, are, are, are you the epitome of what Jesus is saying here? Are you an actor? As long as you've got your act together on the outside and, and you, you say the right praise of the Lord at the right time and raise your hand just at the right time during a song and, and the reality is, is that on the inside you're a mess. But man, you can answer those questions. Let me help you a little bit. For me, when I meet people, I am not impressed by how much you know about the Bible. Don't communicate that to me. I am impressed by how real you are about the Bible in your life. Because that's really where it's at. Because these guys could answer the questions. Where's your focus? And here's the other one. Are you deceiving yourself? Is your form of religious activity in your life, where you know you come to church, you give, you volunteer, you... You know, whenever there's a special offering you're giving there, and you even invite, and, and, and in your mind you're deceiving yourself because you think, man, I'm doing all this stuff, but on the inside, you're still the mess. I mean, you look good. You're getting the attaboys. Are you deceiving yourself? Because you can be so much a part of church culture that you can still go to hell. You know what I'm saying? Do I need to say that again? You could be so much a part of church culture that you could still be going to hell. Why do you think Jesus says in Matthew that in that day they will appear before him and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do these great things in your name? Lord, we were there when they were casting out demons. Lord, we were there when this was happening. Lord, don't you, don't you remember, Lord, we were there? And he says, depart from me, I never knew you. The emphasis of that passage is these folks thought they knew Jesus. They even called him Lord. But they had deceived themselves. Are you deceiving yourselves? Is there a great cover-up going on in your life? When folks say, because here's the thing, the deception is, for these folks, is they didn't see it, but others saw it around them. And folks all around us, or people all around us, are saying when they look at the church, they see that the church is filled with what? Hypocrites. Actors. Are we deceiving ourselves? You know, for us as a church here, you know, I've been challenged. I shared this with you, I think, maybe last week or the week before. I was listening to a speaker, and he was talking about the whole issue of, of our tendency to write a check. We'll send missionaries around the world to reach people where they're at in the slums of life. Amen. Got that check going out there. But then when it comes to people right around us in the slum of life, we don't want them to come here. It's easier to write a check than to reach out to the people themselves. That's deception. We're deceiving ourselves. If we really care about people around the world, we'll care about people right around us here too. And then finally, recognize the condition of your heart. Where's your heart at? Hey, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll start with me. Jesus so undoes me when I look at his life and what he says, I just have to admit one thing. I'm an actor. Are you? Are you? 
Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.